Good morning. It's day 119 of these revival talks, I believe. And if it's not, I'll go back and change it, of course. Um, so, you ever feel like you're like one of those people that has to learn things like the hard way? Like you got to get hit over the head a million times. You got to cycle through a lot of places. And then you realize, oh, that's what you're doing, Lord. I feel like that. Um, so just to, pre <laughs> just to preface, you know, I've been through like about, I don't know, several weeks of just things that were like emotional turmoil. You know, part of it was, you know, the enemy comes into every kind of place and tries to do the vain imaginations and, you know, and all that kind of crazy stuff, but basically gets in your headspace. And for me, he gets in my headspace that in ways that affect me emotionally. It's kind of my, that, you know, my vulnerability point. And so sometimes in the middle of some of that, it's hard to discern, you know, I'm over here rebuking the devil, but, and, and it's true that we are, you know, we don't want to entertain vain imaginations or, you know, we don't want to have the, give the enemy any headspace. But my wife asked an interesting question or said something yesterday. She'll probably get really excited that I said that just now. But, um, you know, she was like, you know, what's the frustration that's underneath all of the emotion? Because sometimes we can get distracted by the emotion or we could say even distracted by the crazy thoughts, you know, or the, the bombardment of our mind. And it was like, you know, that was a good question because, you know, usually the things, the things that I'm finding that cause deep frustration usually have to do with the gap between what is seen and unseen, what is real and not real, and what is the already and the not yet. You know, we're, we're already, we're here, but we're not yet here. We're already in this place, but we're not yet in the place that we really believe God is taking us or that God wants to, um, we're, we're looking at the thing that we believe that he wants to do and we're not seeing it in its fullest manifestation. And so when we get into places like we are now, where we talk about and we realize that we really are in a now era where it is a season of great fulfillment, you know, where things are accelerated and where God is doing stuff in a day that would take 10, you know, years to do otherwise, then we, we begin to, that question becomes more poignant in terms of what are you doing, Lord? Like, hey, like, what is going on? And, you know, if we're looking at gaps, we begin to think, okay, this is the time where it's time to tolerate a lot less. And there's a lot of things that I think for me that I tolerate that I just need to tell the enemy to stop doing because in tolerating everything from tolerating, let me give you a big toleration. You know, one of the things that I say over and over is I talk about a generation that I've worked with for many years and I've watched churched kids come in to a classroom that don't know Jesus. Um, and that's not a slam or a judgment. That's just a reality in terms of encounter. They are familiar with the word on some level. They're familiar, they have a great head knowledge and they've learned, um, they've oftentimes had the Bible used as a behavior control and management um, tool. 
But what they've lacked is an encounter that marries that truth to their heart in a transformational way. So when you pull out, and that's the problem with most Christian colleges today, I'll just say it out loud. Um, you know, we value money and religion, and we lose Holy Ghost. And we like keeping kids behaved. And I think the era of behavior is over, and the era of transformation has begun. Because there isn't any way, apart from the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and an encounter of the Holy Spirit, that anything is going to change in the generation. At the same time, I believe that in the era that we are in, that the transformation we're going to see is going to be huge. Much like the demoniac who gets healed, um, gets delivered, and goes to ten cities and preaches the gospel without having had any formal training, didn't go to cemetery, I mean seminary, and get anything. And so that's the generation we're looking at. For a lot of us who are mothers, fathers, uncles, and aunts, if you will, in the faith, depending on your age, right? Um, we've, we've been, we were the ones that, you know, we pioneered inner healing, right? Like inner healing was our favorite sport, you know? And we, we loved inner healing because we realized we had so much damage in the soul and that it, the damage in our soul was keeping us from knowing who we fully were in Christ. They were keeping us from stepping into who we were and kind of functioning as the habitation of Holy Spirit that we were created to be and walking revivals that we want to be and that we really actually are because all of the kingdoms inside of us. So those of us who pioneered inner healing movement, that's my joke for all of us, you know, who came through the 80s and that was, you know, back in the 80s in the vineyard, if you just sang a nursery rhyme, people fell on the floor and started weeping. And um, I was there. And um, <laughs> I remember the day that my pastor I mean, the worship hadn't been practiced. There was, it, was, it was a mess, technically. But the Holy Spirit and the anointing was all over it. And I remember him pulling his little glasses down. You know, here I was, a college student, him saying, Oh, and Scott, the Holy Spirit's going to visit you in about 10 minutes. And going back to his one verse in Ephesians that he'd be unpacking. And 10 minutes later, I was a heap on the floor bawling. So, yes, we're all familiar with that part. But... I saw something in the pool at Dawsonville this past Sunday that, you know, there's different things that stand out different times. And the thing that really got highlighted for me was when the student that I took, you know, Marty, you know, one of our heroes of the faith, love Marty, um, says the first thing he gets for the student is he nails the student's entire history by saying, you've been unwanted most of your life. And it summed up, you know, I knew the history, so I was like about ready to lose it and ball myself, which would have been fine, I'm sure. Um, why don't you do that more freely? But anyway, um, and I saw all the emotion and I saw everything, like in, like in a couple of sentences, a history was, you know, was um, highlighted and delved into by Holy Spirit. And the thing that um, was the most impacting, though, is the student told me that when he went into the water and when he came out, because I was right there, that all of that that came up and the pain was gone. <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay, Lord, this really is not just healing for him, but it's also a metaphor of what I think we're going to be looking at a whole lot more. And that is 
for this generation to be liberated, they've been trained in supernatural, most of it like the wrong kind, you know, like in their literature and all the little TV series, not judging any of it because God's using all of it because they have a grid for supernatural, probably more so than we did because of what they've read and looked at and everything. You know, everything that uh, functions supernaturally today, it's like the biggest genre out there for teen literature. And so I think that we're gonna see them flip right into an identity. They're poised for it. God's gonna inhabit that weakness. They're gonna step right into that identity. And they're gonna step into spontaneous, like on the spot, deep healing, one encounter with Jesus. That's what acceleration looks like. That's what the culmination, when you talk about us being in this place where the culmination of every era of the church is converging into this latter days, you know, revival that will cover the earth, right? It's a party till the end. When we talk about the culmination of the ages all being unleashed, it means that everything that has ever been sown in the body of Christ and in the church, as far as power and encounter and everything on the pallet, is now converging in a kind of, it's converging in a way that is cataclysmic, okay? Which means it's exponential, which means that we're gonna, that's why we're gonna see the most outrageous miracles, we're gonna watch a generation walk in love where pornography has tried to destroy a generation and they're gonna know love better. So when we talk about this cataclysm and this convergence of the ages, it means that everything is available now and it's available in greater and exponential measure and in, than, than any other time previous in history, which also means we're gonna see things that suddenly actually becomes the norm. You know, when, when I saw a young man get transformed and have emotion of entire past just wiped away, I could have been tempted to say, well, that was momentary. You know, everybody that gets a nice bath feels good. No, I really believe it's gone. And the fruit of that will play out. And I watched it and it was an object lesson in the Holy Spirit for me of, and a prophetic object lesson in what God is gonna do in the generation. If that doesn't happen, we're really stuck. And that's why we're living in the greatest time we could ever live, where all these things converge. We have everything that has come behind us. We come in at the 11th hour, and we've had the sowing of the saints for all times coming into. It's almost like you could say God is taking everything that has been sown and he's created the biggest tipping point that the world has ever known and that tipping point has just turned and so a lot of this has been birthed out of a lot of frustration you know i mentioned that i've been through emotional garbage for weeks and i i you know a lot of it was just stuff that i you know i was rebuking the enemy rightly so because i don't want him in my headspace but when my wife asked the question what is the first what is that all pointing to that goes a little deeper and it was this frustration that we've lived for a long time where we haven't seen the fullness or the fulfillment of promise and destiny and prophetic, and where we haven't seen the level in terms of revival and breakthrough. You know, in this context, it's like revival on steroids, the grace and the measure of grace for God to do transformational things in encounter 
is profound. And that's where we're living right now. And so it's right that the frustration that we've been feeling has been well earned in terms of it points to the mandate. And so I say this, and I said this last night when Jamie and I were doing our thing, which was really fun. Um, I said, the frustration is where the birthing of the mandate is coming from. That the thing, the frustration has to do with a gap, right? We call it cognitive dissonance. There's a gap between what it should be and what I see, and that gap is hugely frustrating. But don't write the whole frustration off as the devil because I think God's in it. He's in it from this standpoint. He's not the one throwing garbage at you, but he is the one in the process of the garbage being thrown saying, what is it that you see? What is it that you want? What is it that you're feeling right now? And the thing is, I've said this, I've been in this, not this room, my other room is a little better, but um, I've watched kids that don't walk with Jesus in high school forever and that have grown up in the church, no commentary on parents or church. It's just that the bottom line is, if they're not, they're not. And a lot of that isn't because we haven't tried to parent well or church well. It's because we've done religion extremely well and our kids haven't had an encounter. And so we haven't been a habitation, but that's what this day and era is about. It's about walking habitation, corporate habitation. Okay, so we're in the place where the kind of transformation that we wanna see is actually gonna happen. And that's why you're frustrated. You know, look at the thing because that's the place where God is birthing ministry. And we're also living in a time right now. You know, the deck is stacked. It's stacked all over the place where when God births ministry, we have mindsets and we have ways of thinking that are both religious and limiting. Okay. And the first thing that gets confronted is my mindset because I have disqualified so many things because I couldn't see the context. I said for years, I don't see the happening in this context, baby. I don't see the happening in this context. Well, the reason I couldn't see anything happening in the context that I was in was because I had a mindset. My mindset was, I don't, I'm not a senior pastor in this city. I'm not this, I'm not that. There's no way this could happen. That This town doesn't launch anybody. We've been around forever and never launched, blah, 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 right? What I had never thought about was, why don't I just ask God to write the check for the thing we want to do and just do it? Because see, here's the issue. We're living in a time. This is the hour where God is hovering over the things that we can't do. He's all over the very thing you cannot do. This, we are living in the era of the God of the impossible. And everything that comes <clears throat> is going to be coming supernaturally. Not saying we're not going to have work to do and we won't work to build or anything like that. Sure we will. But in the context of revival and in the context of the God of the impossible, the striving gets removed from the equation. We enter into the rest of signs, wonders, miracles, crazy stuff in God and unusual exploits and manifest sons and daughters of God. That's called rest. That's a rest that I can handle. 
the rest of the God of the impossible I can handle because the striving is usually connected to religion and we've done that. Everybody that I know today is saying the same thing. Done that, been there. I want the thing that God is on. So cease striving. Ask Holy Spirit to come and change your perspective because my perspective is the only limiting factor that exists. How I see. And Jesus wants to change how I see. When I shift from what I see, because see, God's been preparing the landscape of our heart for this landscape, okay? And so when I shift how I see, or when Holy Ghost shifts it, because I'm in Holy Ghost, let's go there, and my shift happens, I begin to see into the realm of the unseen real, and I see into the impossible, and I see a God that is limitless and that can do anything. When I'm living in the realm of my own experience, failures, etc., I only see or my own perception about what's going on right in front of me. We have to know that we are limited in our humanity and what we see. And the only way to see rightly in the unseen real what God is actually doing and what is possible is to abandon ourselves to seeing in the spirit and pulling down heaven and pulling down that agenda and pulling down the eyes of heaven into us, which is already in us and seeing through those eyes. Perspective changes everything and we need heaven's perspective and we need to abandon that religious works oriented garbage oriented perspective that's ours the truth is because of what we've been through that's kind of what our experience brings us to but this isn't that day and so i say this and i'll wind it up i like the way you guys get to walk around with me turn the lights on and look at my molars at the same time okay um God is, is hovering over the things that we can't do. What changes perspective is when I move from what I know and see and what I'm familiar with to the God of the impossible who lives in the unfamiliar, unscripted parts of life, okay? That's where the Holy Spirit lives, where the wind blows, it's a mystery, right? We were engaged and called to live in that mystery. When we come into that place, we see a whole lot more. We see what he is doing, and then we begin to see the possibility of heaven on earth and the possibility of how to fulfill the mandate. Your frustration points to the mandate. The mandate points to the God of the impossible. That's how that one, I see that one right now. And so with that, let's look at what we are able to see with the God of the impossible. How does that change your landscape? It changes everything. Because now I'm not trying to run and get away from something to go to something, to find something. I'm actually in a place, um, I'm in a place where I see that God could do the very thing that I want from right where I'm at. Does that make sense? We're not looking for God to come from over here or for us to go there. Where you are at, God wants to do something phenomenal. And so open our eyes, Jesus, to the God of the impossible. And instead of thinking how this can't happen, let's think about how much of a check we need from heaven for it to happen. 
and ask him for that because God is hovering and breathing over that kind of prayer and those kinds of big, big ask. This is the season and the, and the epoch of the big ask. Ask and you will receive. Ask big and you'll receive bigger. Ask, ask, and ask big and you'll receive exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think. And you're going to see this is an era of fulfillment. This is not a time. Yes, the heavens are open. Thank you, Jamie. They've always been open. When Jesus was baptized, they were open. I don't remember them closing. You know, it's like they're open. This is the big ask season. This is the time where we come out of all the places where the dreams have died and we come into the dream realized. This is the resurrection of all things in us. And it's the place where the things that have frustrated us for years actually have an outlet and that outlet is the kingdom of heaven. And it's the frustration is there to push us into a place of fulfillment and actually putting a demand on heaven. If there's no demand on heaven, nothing happens. But the frustration is moving you and me to put a demand on heaven. Tell heaven what you want to see because heaven is inside of you and it's already manifesting and it's just waiting for us to come into agreement with what is already inside of us. So that's what I say. I'll say this at the end. So my wife are going to be starting a supernatural ministry school, high school, that um, combines, it's a non-traditional private high school that will combine supernatural ministry school with high school. Because my frustration in 13 years is that I see a generation that's not lit and I say, that's not, I'm not tolerating that anymore. That I, I'm done with that. They will be lit and they can be lit. And that high school will feed into a real Christian college that actually values Holy Spirit and wants the agenda of heaven and isn't looking for donors and dollars and religiously well-behaved kids. That's what our vision and our heart is. So tell me what you think about what you heard today. Share it. I love to hear your input about our vision. I'll be talking more about it. Uh, and if you, um, if you feel like the Lord has just you know, prompted you to write that one million in cash check, I, I'll give you my address on you know, Messenger. I'm being funny. But at the same time, I'm not. Because here's what I know. I know that no matter where you are, there are already kingdom financiers that are looking at what you're doing. And they might not even be from your area. There are people right now that God has positioned all over the globe who have the money. It's not an issue about money. God could give you a dollar and a million just the same. It's never an issue to him, only to us. So he wants to fund the dream and he wants to do supernatural and he wants you to be the model of what that looks like. So who says yes? I do. <laughs>